welcome to Resident Advisors Exchange, a series of conversations with the artists, labels and promoters who are shaping the electronic music landscape. My name is Kat Young and I'm the founder of Salt and Sass, a Berlin-based event that aims to connect, celebrate and bring visibility to women working in the music industry by hosting public conversations with some of the most inspiring women in the field. This year, the Salt and Sass team, which consists of myself, Christine Kakari, and Elisa Stolman, are collaborating with Resident Advisor to publish the talks as RA Exchanges. For our first instalment, we invited music journalist Lisa Blanning to interview Gosia Prisa, the executive director of Unsound Festival in Krakow, Poland. Since 2006, Prisa has worked alongside Matt Schultz to grow Unsound from a week-long DIY event focused on experimental music and art into an internationally renowned destination for fans of forward-thinking music with spin-off events around the world. Our conversation with Gosha revealed an insider's perspective on both an annual festival internally engaged with in Poland's political climate and externally engaged with issues around diversity, as well as the challenges facing ambitious women who seek careers in the music industry. You can find the full archive of exchanges on residentadvisor.net and follow RA on SoundCloud at RA-Exchange. The exchange with Gosha Prisa is up next. everybody, thank you for coming. My name is Lisa Blanning. I'm a music journalist based here in Berlin. With me is Gosha Plisa. She is one of the directors of Unsound Festival. And if you are interested in the kinds of uh, music, underground movements, then you'll have heard of Unsound because it's definitely one of the premier festivals. We are going to just dive into a bit about her work and her specialty, which is running a festival. Thank you, Lisa. <laughs> that was a very good intro. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Yeah, set the scene for us. Um, tell us a little bit about the history of Unsound and how you got your start there. Unsound started in 2003 and I wasn't there from the start. I was in high school back there. <laughs> but I moved to Krakow in 2005 to study law and soon I got really bored with it. So. I just found Unsound just like a regular music lover and, and yeah, just went to a few gigs, met people and it was a very super small DIY run event run by a bunch of friends. So it was started by Matt, who's the current director of uh, Unsound, Matt Schultz, and he started it with his friend, his American friend who lived in Krakow. So to expats, English-speaking expats, who just decided to bring some electronic music to Krakow, which didn't have much of it back then. Yeah, and since then it started growing um, kind of organically run by different people involved with 
all kinds of music. So there was some attempts to do a club night and also like more like improv stuff, noise, experimental music. So they started slowly building this up and it was all very much like a volunteer work based event. And when I joined them in 2006, like officially, it was for me, it was like personally like a kind of big change in my life. I quit law. I decided to follow my passion, which was back then journalism. And I was very much into media and, and radio work and music as well. So this seemed like a kind of natural thing for me. So I was helping them a bit with promoting the gigs and and stuff. And at the same time, I remember there were like undergoing lots of like structural differences. And we felt like as a team, it was like maybe four or five people, different people running the event there with volunteers and other club promoters because it was like based around four or five venues mm -hmm. really small venues which some of them are still part of Unsound and we like keeping this tradition of having Unsound in some underground cellars that some of you might know so like Club Ray or Pausa which unfortunately is closed now but those were the venues that were with Unsound for a very long time since then and around that time I was kind of very into like changing the festival and I saw the potential in it back then. Everyone else was doing some other work. So like Matt was writing, his other friends were either running bars or clubs or like other like more curatorial work outside of the festival. So I was thinking, oh, maybe we should like kind of organize it better. And at that time, the city also had changed slightly its policy and they started supporting events that had the potential to kind of become like a city's um, advertising for culture and like they were changing basically the city structure so so there were more events of like this kind of nature so we started a non-profit which I run since 2008 and we applied for first like small funding which now it looks like a really small amount of money, but at that time it was like really significant and basically helped us create something more. So basically since then until now, we've been kind of trying to professionalize those all those activities and it turned to from like this small crack a local event to like a bigger international event with its satellite events in many other places. And the team has grown since then and but it's still very much volunteer based and like based around the work of several people and we still like to kind of work with people that we're friends with that we're close with so it still has this DIY ethos that that I really like with with Anson. Yeah and I would say that that's something that really comes across when you attend the festival and it's really interesting to me to hear that 2008 was the first year that you guys got any sort of funding or I mean we did get support before but it was also run through uh, several other organizations so we were working with Goethe Institute from 2004 right okay. I wasn't involved okay. then but that was the main main institution that kind of helped pick up Unsound was actually the German Cultural Institute and we're still very much involved with it and at the moment we're developing this two-year program which we call Dislocation mm -hmm. and it's maybe we go further to that but it's it's like this bigger program where we bring electronic music different types of experimental music as well to places which are far away from typical cultural centers. So we've organized several events in Kyrgyzstan, Georgia, Kazakhstan, former USSR republics. So, and that's really important for us to keep this balance between being an, a bigger international event, but also reaching out to places that 
you know, that there is lots of interesting stuff happening, but they, for many reasons, also geographical, political, they marginalized. Yeah. This edition in 2017 will be the 15th, is that correct? That's right, yeah. Okay, that's a lot. That uh, means you guys have had some time to work out some things and really perfect some I don't know. I think it's still a process. It will never be perfect. I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But tell me, what do you think are some of the most important basic ingredients that have helped make Unsound successful? And when I say successful, um, it sells out year after year. It's in a position now where it sells out year after year. That's been going on for some years now. Yeah, I think like initially I feel that, I mean, maybe it sounds like very kind of naive in a way, but like it's also the passion that runs through the team and the people that create Unsound. It comes from like this very like kind of true feeling of like doing something that we're really personally interested in. And all of the people, or at least I hope all of the people are really personally engaged in what they do. Obviously that could create certain like difficulties when it comes to fully professionalizing something because you still work with friends and there are different challenges that come with that. But um, for us, it's also been like, we always wanted to make a festival that's also a creative process. It's not like, where a thing where we just look at who's on tour in those days and who's the headliner. Like we don't really believe in the idea of headliners. We rather would like to search and look for interesting upcoming artists. And I think that was always like a key thing about Unsound to find new voices and talents in many places, but also to create new works. And from the start, I mean, now maybe it's like a more obvious thing and many festivals do it. But for us, from the start, it was very important to commission new works and initiate different new practices and solutions. I think that makes it different still, hopefully. Yeah. From a more logistical standpoint, perhaps this is more boring, but I would suggest that it also helps that Krakow is still on its own currency, which makes it cheap for a lot of people to go there. Yeah, and also that's partially the reason why we develop a lot of and premiere a lot of works in Krakow, because... I mean, from the simple like monetary point of view, it's just cheaper to develop works and spend more time with artists, give them space, and also include organizations or institutions that we weren't, we wouldn't be able to before. So we work a lot with Sinfonieta Krakowia, which is the Krakow classical string ensemble. We use like really like bigger institutionalized venues to develop works like or we work with, for example, since last year we started working with this traditional folk band, which, yeah, which was very interesting for us as a process. But also like, I don't think it would be that easy. Maybe now it would be because we like kind of more known, but before a few years before it wouldn't be that easy to to be able to work with such places. I thought that that was a, a good indicator of how far Unsound had, had come along was the amount of institutional relationships that it was it was obvious that you guys had started forming locally over the course of the years and um, being able to use access or being able to access venues that are state run as opposed to just like normal rock venues or yeah i mean it's also like a logistical necessity like a few years back krakow didn't have that many concert halls or or bigger venues where we could do shows so we started also like artistically it's interesting for us to use very different venues Mm -hmm. and that's also 
like an important point in our programming to look at the architecture, the way it reacts to sound and so on. So yes, yeah, since a few years, we've been having more than 10 to 20 venues within the program. So yeah, that's that's been also like a question of finding right places. So for example, Hotel Forum is this abandoned communist hotel that's been standing there in the middle of town for years and we've always wanted to do something there and when we when we found it and we when we got permission to use it in 2012 it became like this really crucial part of our programming as well i would agree because i would suggest that that was a, a big turning point for the festival was yeah, when you started absolutely. using hotel form yeah yeah before we were doing bigger club nights for like two to three thousand no, maybe two thousand, two and a half thousand people in Nova Huta and that didn't really work. It's like the suburb that's maybe twenty minute drive from, from the main center, which might here in Berlin might sound like a really close distance, but in Krakow it's a long, long way outside of a center. So and Hotta Farm is right there and it has this amazing abandoned haunted feeling, so it works really well with club music. Another good point to mention is that Krakow is beautiful and it's tiny, so for any outside visitors, it's another additional reason to go to the festival. So all those things in combination, that's a lot of good things for any of you out there interested in starting your own festival. Yeah. (laughs) And one thing that I think that you guys have done really well is, yes, the programming is, is good, very good, but you also have built nurturing relationships with specific artists and it seems to me that there's this symbiotic relationship where their profile is grown and your and your profile is grown helping each other to grow and for example Ben Frost would be one of those artists that I would suggest that you you nurtured as an artist and yeah. it was a symbiotic relationship yeah that's a good example and I feel like this is he's not the only person that we've been really close no, no. W- working closely with but that's a really good example and I think our, I mean, actually he was the one who performed for the first time in the church that we started using in 2008. Yeah, and since then we've been developing this relationship and also one of our first biggest commissions that we've done in 2010 was Music for Solaris. Uh, It was soon after Ben got um, nominated, got awarded a Rolex Mentorship Protégé Award and uh, started working with Brian Eno. So that commission was like inspired by his uh, love for Stanislav Lem's book Solaris. And uh, Daniel Bjarnason, Icelandic composer, created this beautiful composition that also, yeah, it was like a collaboration between him and Ben and also with visuals by Brian Eno and Nick Robertson. And apart from that, there's also Sinfonieta Krakowia that was really closely involved. So that piece is still out there and I think for hopefully for this year's Unsound we'll bring it back to celebrate the anniversary and also see how it changed because it changes and it's I mean it has like it's cold but it's still developing and growing I think yeah so yeah that was that's a really good example and it's yeah it's basically like also very much based around personal relationships we have with the artists and and many nights and days that we spend like talking about stuff and it's yeah it's just like yeah this personal connection is really important for us and shared tastes and passions for music and other things that comes through in the festival there does seem to be a very personal touch to it part of the reason why people go back to it i'll just actually say that the first time i was there was 2008 i haven't been every year since then you know but that was my first unsound so some time ago 
it also it seems like it's been a conscious decision to stay small and boutique instead of trying to make the festival bigger and potentially more profitable. Yeah, I mean, we, we always are thinking about the ways to develop and definitely the growth inside, like inwards, is maybe something that we are more into. Like we definitely would like to put more focus on and time and resources to develop new works and like kind of push the boundaries in terms of, in terms of like in artistic terms instead of just, I don't know, investing in raves or just making more profit from like doing big club nights. I don't think that's interesting. I don't like them myself. So it's also that like we're not really into like this huge massive events. And I think it's from my personal experience, the ultimate maximum capacity I would feel comfortable and it's thousand people in one venue. And I think, yeah, it's, it's also good and kind of more pleasant to attend something and get into something if you if you are really in this kind of smaller smaller capacity venue yeah instead of making the festival itself bigger because uh it you guys like it the way it is yeah then, yeah uh, i think it's more comfortable and it's of course there are really many ways to think how to make it more sustainable mm -hmm. and this has always been an issue especially if we are like a non-profit and we we really like always find ways to support the festival it's always been challenging because i don't think non-profit as it sounds it's not very profitable <laughs> but still it allows us to basically create what we do and gives us certain freedom and also we believe that our biggest value is the brand itself so we've been consciously choosing to kind of sustain it without like attaching any big names in terms of like commercial sponsors or yeah it's always been um, mainly public funding and ticket revenue that's been funding the festival but obviously it's challenging and we uh, we always are looking for partners that will help and understand the biggest value around Ansan which is the content thing and the trust that we have from the audience and artists so if we find this right sponsor maybe we'll we'll attach the the brand to it but at the moment i don't think i think we're still looking <laughs> not to dwell too much on that but um i do recall there was one year there was a drinks sponsor that shall remain unnamed who sponsored a particular artist coming to the festival and their sign appeared on the stage as it must do when they sponsor yeah. such a thing and then by the end of the night a pair of underpants had appeared on the sign yeah well i mean we listen to our audience as well and we take those comments and actions seriously yeah, yeah. i think i don't yeah, there hasn't been as yeah there hasn't been another partnership with that brand since no then. no i don't think so yeah yeah, yeah. so so it's interesting you, tr you try some things some things work some things don't yeah and uh if your audience speaks then yeah, you gotta you listen. listen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so one of the ways, like you mentioned, that um, you have expanded is by holding these satellite events in other locations. You mentioned how you've been going to some pretty far out places, but you've also you've also hit some more the the normal places in the globe, like Toronto and New York. I'm really curious, what are the unsound sessions in those far reaches of Europe like? I mean, for us, it's definitely Matt's project, like his own like thing that he's been developing with Goethe Institute directly. And it also shows like this trajectory of like, you know, bringing unsound to Krakow as an Australian. He's also been always really interested in going to these far places. Yeah, I mean, for, for us, for the whole team, it's always like a great experience to see like this difference between like audience how audience and artists respond to 
different events that could be similar in those places, but they're always different, like in Kyrgyzstan, an event has a completely different effect to the society and local scene than the same thing in Berlin or even Krakow. Absolutely. I mean, it's very rewarding for everyone to see like how much it can change and we've been talking a lot with local artists and audiences and we feel that it's for us it's very gratifying personally to see like how much I mean it brings certain change for sure so positively and I know that I mean sometimes people get shocked I mean I haven't been in Dushanbe actually where we've in Tajikistan where we've done an event shortly before Ansamt last year but yeah, I've heard lots of like crazy stories about like how different people react to music and like how different you have to think about programming things that are really obvious. Like for example, I remember Matt was telling me that they had um, they wanted to do like a small club night, like a shorter club night in this country and in, in Dushanbe, but they said that they have to start around 4 p.m. because women have to go back home at six because they have to be home after dark. So Whoa. that was one of the challenges that we haven't really like previewed. And But still, I mean, some people loved it, some people maybe didn't. But I think it's it's like, yeah, it's also good if it... Actually, Robert Henke said that after his performance in... It was in Bishkek, in Kyrgyzstan, he said that even if there is one or two people in the audience that that this event will change their life. That's that's been worth even if there's I don't know 50 people in that in that crowd. So I think I totally agree with that and it's very rewarding to do it if it changes someone's perspective. What were the sizes of the audiences for these for these kinds of events? Were they like I mean 50 there were or? there were bigger events as well. So that was just like one particular example. I think at that night where Moritz von Oswald played and Monolike played there was a bit less people I think for some reason. But the night before where we had this Polish duo called RSS Boys playing, like people also don't don't like kind of know who's famous there. Right, or, right. Or not. So they just like really get into it. So no matter like without looking at who's yeah, the artist who should be like more of a headliner or not. So yeah. But that's obviously doesn't really, you know, reflect on like the type of music or anything. So yeah. Do you know how they market it there? Like, how do they get people to come? Is what I'm. Um, what we, I, what I'm with those events, we always work with the local good institute and also local promoters. So it's been like the event that's happening. It's always been before we've always went there for like a research trip and met with different uh, local organizers and curators and who suggested either venues or people to work with. So it's like a longer process that that I think started like last year we've put out those events so it started like a year before that Matt started going there and meeting those people. Have you done more than one event in the same city? In Minsk in Belarus we've done altogether five events so wow. from 2007 okay. so that was like a thing that was with Ansan from the start like the dislocation project it started last year but with the previous satellite events we've been doing things in central eastern Europe for since basically 2006 and seven yeah until 2009 we've had more more events also in Minsk and Belarus so that was quite challenging but also very rewarding and definitely interesting and Matt is actually Australian, so you've done Unsound in Adelaide as well. Yeah, yeah, that was also actually that grew out of Unsound New York, which kind of changed the perception of Unsound. I think like that first Unsound in New York in 2009 was an event that kind of changed people's perception of Unsound. Also in Poland, like we've been relatively small until then. And then it was the first time that, for example, Polish culture ministry noticed that 
or, or Polish national paper noticed that actually there is something, this local Krakow event is a bit bigger and it should be like kind of noticed. Ansa New York kind of helped us build this image of a bigger or more international event and also, yeah, I think David Sefton noticed, uh, noticed it there. The yeah. artistic director of Adelaide Arts Festival for the last four years where we've been doing it there. Okay, so it really does help to get out there, get out of your own community and yeah, show other people sure. what you have. And another thing you do well, which you mentioned, is the special commissions. And you were key to the ephemera project, weren't you? Yeah, that was like a thing that we've developed together, but also it was like a very kind of, you know, it was like a loosely based idea that, I mean, I'm personally very much into perfume myself. Maybe uh, just explain to people who yeah, might not know what it is. Yeah, ephemera is a series of scents that we've developed with the Berlin-based perfumer Geza Schön. We've asked him to create three scents that uh, reinterpretations of sounds. So there is this, there's been this really long synesthetic process that Geza and and me and uh, also three artists, musicians involved in, spend a lot of time on. So we've asked our friends, also Ben that you mentioned, Ben Frost, Tim Hecker, and Code Nine, Steve Goodman, to create three raw files of sound that were meant to represent the notions of bass, noise, and drones. So like this three notions of sounds and popular and electronic music. And then they gave them to Geza together with their own other released music. And he spent quite a long time developing those scents that we've later bottled. I mean, initially it was meant to be just an installation, which we showed in Krakow, among other places. Yeah, but since then it just exists in this niche perfumery and actually got quite good r reviews. <laughs> so yeah, it's been like a very interesting, uh, rewarding process. We have some ideas for a new sense, but it's just, yeah, it's still like a more like a side project for, for us than, than a main, main activity. Maybe one day we just get rid of the festival and just go into <laughs> beauty business, why not? <laughs> Well, I mean, it's interesting because what started out as a special commission for the festival has taken a bit of a life of its own. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely reaching out to different audiences and it's that's also important. What I like about it is that it's um, it really brings something unexpected and different and new to what your idea of a, f a festival is. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've always had like an installation program and we like to push the boundaries of what we show outside of the just simply sound. So there's always been film, video elements, but then we were like the idea for ephemera actually grew out of this like long discussion we've had of different art forms intersecting and also how rarely our sense of smell, which is so important for like creating memories and history and uh, also ourselves and our character is really not used that much and also together with sound they both don't have this main visual element in it so we kind of like the idea of connecting those two and seeing how it will result and what and i think it's quite interesting definitely and i distinctly remember last year at Enzan smelling someone next to me who, who very much smelled of drone so yeah yeah <laughs> um, so it's out there usually it's beer <laughs> It's abundantly clear you're part of a community, and you do work with other festivals, for instance, CTM, which is happening now. You guys are instrumental in the ECAS ICAS network, which, what does those stand for? European? Uh, European Series of Advanced Sound or International Cities of Advanced Sound. Yeah. Yeah, we've been like founding member of, of this network in 2000. 
2007, I think. Yeah, 2007, it was that's officially started. Yeah, just like, you know, the collaboration idea is very strong in terms of our programming also like the satellite events and other things wouldn't happen without us being really open to networking, meeting other people and exchanging ideas. And I think a festival network of very like-minded festivals, very focused on quality versus quantity and nonprofit and DIY ethos. Yeah, like the whole connection between all those festivals is really important for us and we like we like developing this further. And CTM is a really good example of a festival that we closely collaborate with. How do some of the collaborations take shape or what what are some of the things that you guys do together besides talk to each other? Well, we exchange lots of programming ideas. Often we commission things together. Mm-hmm. So, And CTM is one of the examples, but we also are looking into working closely maybe with Atona, which is outside of the network. So there will be something coming up later this year. But also we work closely with Barbican in London, which is also outside of the festival network. But... There's another project that grew out of ICAS, which is called SHAPE, which got awarded some financial support from the Creative Europe, which also finances this kind of activities. So SHAPE is a platform that connects 16 different festivals in Europe. And we focus very much on emerging artists and promoting artists' mobility, which is something that we've been doing anyway, but now it's it has this more formal backing to it and we have certain mechanisms that help us exchange artists to a higher degree. And it's also interesting to know that there exists a different level of funding that's accessible if you are doing something that's more pan-European or is that Yeah, is that absolutely. Correct? I mean, there there's is is like a few models that Creative Europe program have has developed for developing networks and platforms for exchanging ideas within music genres, but also it's for different forms of art. So yeah, definitely worth looking into it if you have a lot of partners in different countries. You guys are one of the founding members of these organizations. So you had to become an, an, another separate body with all these people. So that means no, these conversations. No, no, it's okay. more like a network base. So we don't have to form any other organization. I mean, it's still pretty much formalized in terms of like how those activities have to function. And it can be pain in the ass, like the whole paperwork and administration around it. But at the end, it's very helpful for each of our organizations, but also for people that, that are involved in it, artists and mm-hmm. yeah, other organizations outside of the network. And I noticed that actually there is now another similar network of European festivals that have taken the same idea and are and are using it to help promote each other and help acquire funding for, for different commissions and new projects and sharing ideas. So it's obviously a, yeah, there's g- a good quite, one. There's quite a few, yeah. yeah. So it's great that it's developing. Although, I mean, obviously this kind of funding also has its, like, you know, bad sides. Like it can create like I don't know like often often there is like you know I don't know the word in English for it but we have the word for it in Polish where you just like really spend a lot of time thinking about applying for funding instead of thinking of developing the actual project and Mm. you take all the boxes but at the same time it doesn't really result in anything good artistically but that's like just like a side problem which in the longer term is not that relevant I guess I'm sure that that's that's one of the realities of, of of this sort of thing because Unsound has been going on for, for so long, it's been going on during this evolution from analog to digital. 
how did the rise of, of digital impact Unsound at all, if it did? I mean, definitely in terms of the music that's presented and also the fact that there is like so many, I mean, there is like multiplications of genres. Like these days, we've always been thinking like, how do we actually call Unsound if what's electronic music? Because when we say electronic music, it's, yeah, you can think about like in States, maybe people will think about more like EDM or something like that. And I think in states like often in the reviews when we had on sunday york people were calling it an edm festival which i would hate <laughs> but um also like so so recently we've been start we started saying that it's maybe a post-genre festival which i feel much more comfortable with because i think those um, tags they get like really so quickly out of date and i think that digitalization is very much connected with that process and also the fact that so many new genres and niches of music production are happening in the internet and not really like as a part of like a local scenes mm -hmm. as it was before mm -hmm. so i think yeah that's probably like the main things that the fact that there is like all these communities in the internet that could be global international they forming like completely new solutions or things yeah well i mean the reason i ask is because we hear a lot about how digital has impacted artists and labels that yeah. actually sounds like an, a knock-on effect of, of artists of how yeah. it's impacted artists i wondered if there was anything obvious or not obvious but um if there was anything where it's it's really changed something for the festival in terms of logistics, different priorities. I mean, because now you have to put a lot more effort into your website, I guess. I don't know. That's boring. Yeah, but. I mean, maybe like promotional tools and like using more social media in terms of communication of your ideas or program. That's definitely like part of those changes. But in terms of like, I mean, I guess it's, I don't release music myself, but I guess that's also like the fact that, that, that artists struggle with making money or sustaining themselves in some way from releasing music. They turn more into performing because that's their main source of income. So I can see there is quite a lot of artists that, um, yeah, they probably tour a lot and too much instead of focusing on releasing music. But I guess that's also a necessity. So I think it, in some way it might reflect on what they put out later because maybe they're so busy touring they don't have enough time to finish their records. I don't know. But that's yeah also like the economical reality that they're in that's also related to digitalization. Well, you know, one aspect which maybe is relevant, especially for Unsound, is that... Um, a lot of times artists, because word travels so quickly now, and an artist can generate a lot of buzz with not too much material out yeah, there. Yeah, that's, that's the other pro side of, of, of that, the, the fact that you can reach out quicker to curators or organizers. But also, you know, there's so much there. And I get like every day, like even though I'm not the main person programming the festival, I get so much stuff sent yeah. every day. So I think the festival becomes this gatekeeper for, for, you know, choosing the right things. But that's like a really, really long, big process to actually filter through that. So you really need like right media, which could be problematic as well these days. Like at least, I don't know, maybe in Poland we've been just recently I've been just complaining about like how little people read about music and how little is being written about music so I think that's also wow that's uh, that's one of the first times I've ever heard anyone say that yeah that's that's like may maybe a Polish thing also because uh, we've been like looking at different like also now running a club running a venue every weekend we've been like thinking where do we actually write 
within our local community who writes about music. No one does anymore. Like people just love like, you know, sharing mixes or sharing videos and stuff, but they don't really write as much and people prefer to read like a small tag or share something on social media, but not really write like a proper piece about it. Yeah, that's obviously not relevant to all of the countries and languages. No, but uh, it's interesting to see that that's creating a structural difference in yeah. um, in the music industry there, and perhaps we'll see that we would see that replicate elsewhere. But another thing is that sometimes these artists become so buzzworthy so quickly, and then they get plucked to do their first ever live show at quite a big platform yeah. such as Unsound, and sometimes they're not really ready to play yet. Yeah, that's true. That also happens. I mean, it's also like. For us, it's the same thing with commissions. Like, we push something to happen. Like, it's also like picking up the artists from the internet or somewhere. It's, they might not be ready, but I mean, we hope that this will give them the right push. But for us, it's more like a, you know, it's like we're looking for people that should be ready, but maybe they're not. But that's also like a positive thing if they, you know, pick up from there. And even if that particular show at Ansan won't be good, it's still maybe a starting point to something positive and, you know, change in their, I don't know, performance or new releases or something. Well, I mean, personally, I'm grateful that you guys take the gamble. So a lot of it is is you actually have to try new things. Absolutely. Unsound also started back in an era when having a female presence on the program wasn't so important. And would I be correct in suggesting that it's on the agenda now for the festival? I think so, yeah, very much. I mean, there is this necessity for putting more diversity into programs, and that's something that we've been always really strongly supporting and nurturing in our programs. And I feel like, you know, it's like a quite a tricky subject in many ways, because apart from like the necessity for female presence, representations in music programs, I also feel there is also a certain geographical imbalance or imbalance mm -hmm. in terms mm -hmm. of yep. race yep. and other issues that, you know, it's very, very tricky to maintain certain artistic level at the same time as, you know, a present like the biggest diversity possible so but obviously the gender imbalance has been there and we've been also like looking at how to you know stop this process and like kind of put put more effort into promoting women and music for sure but also like f for me myself like when I started working in organizing a festival I've never really I've always been working with women mainly so it's like I see like agents organizers and different people that I've been surrounded by, they weren't only men. So I've always seen this strong female presence in that, which didn't always reflect on the program, how it shaped. So from the start, it was definitely harder to find interesting female artists before, like a few years back than it is now. So I feel like it's definitely changing and I hope Ansan has something to do with that partially. And we definitely want it to be more balanced. How and when do you think it became a bigger topic to the f for the festival, C can you say? I feel like it's always been a topic and I know personally like before I even was more involved with the program that Matt and other curators were always very strongly supporting women that were around like in within our local scene. Mm -hmm. We've helped a lot of like local DJs, artists and musicians to to basically also because of the nationality issue which has always been important for us like there is gender imbalance but i feel like there is not enough like polish or 
Czech or Ukrainian or other countries represented within the music scene. So I feel like there is, yeah, this always has been important for us to show like certain geographical diversity as well as gender diversity. Okay, so I mean, you're basically saying that um, it that you're juggling a lot of different yeah yeah, which I think are topics. also very important. Like it might be controversial to say that, but often like I think that it's. In some way, it might be harder for like a white male from Kazakhstan to be noti- noticed than a white woman from from Berlin. You know, if they like playing similar type of music or you know releasing similar music, so that's also like a completely yeah different issue, which yeah you can't really f- easily solve. But it's important to notice all those differences for yeah, sure. Yeah, I see. I see what you're saying. And how about your own experience? about working in a really male-dominated industry in a patriarchal country? That's always been a struggle, definitely, to a degree. And But honestly, I mean, I've been brought up in a very female, like, strong, fem- among, like, really strong female characters. So, yep. and I've never perceived myself, like, being a woman, that I'm in a, like, position of disadvantage myself. I mean, I've, later on, like, after a few years of, like, you know, running the festival, I was like, wait a minute, that's not cool, like how someone behaved, especially if I'm in a, like, I'm a director of the festival together with a guy who's a director as well. Whenever we go together somewhere, 80% cases, I've always been also younger and semi-attractive or attractive. Uh, it's always it's always been an issue where, you know, like someone doesn't really perceive me as a person on an equal level and I would have, have to be an assistant. I can't be a person on the same level. So I've right. had that many times in Poland as well. When I go to those meetings alone, it, that I don't feel that. I've never felt like, you know, ostracized because of that, not openly, but that's always been, usually it's been in rather formal context. So... So I've never really felt that strongly, apart from dealing with uh, with the church, maybe. <laughs> so yeah, because that that's a big issue, yeah, in 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 Poland, definitely. Right, it's a heavily Catholic country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've been working with like using different sacral spaces as well, and yeah, I could sense that patriarchal element there for sure. That's that one would be a hard one to avoid, I suspect. Yeah. But one thing that was uh, was pretty inspiring recently was seeing unsound support of Poland's abortion law protest. And it, yeah. se- it seemed like something that your entire team got behind. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was like a massive, massive movement in Poland, the Black March, as we called it. It was like a protest against this super restrictive, insane law that it it actually can be brought to uh, to a country that's part of the EU, but yeah, we've been really strongly protesting it, bo- uh, supporting the you know the protests against against those changes, which actually stopped the government. I'm not saying that we stopped it, but like you know the fact yeah. that it was like all around the country. Yeah, it was still, a huge like, protest. Yeah, it was really massive, and it took it took few weeks. Definitely, it was really everywhere, and and I'm really glad that to a degree it was stopped. But I can see that there are some changes being snaked through and yeah and i hope it's yeah we'll we'll do that again i guess we'll have to protest against this because i don't see any other any other solution to it honestly it was pretty comforting to see the team come go out on mass and do something that was directly affecting their local community and it spoke to an engagement that uh was 
yeah, you know, absolutely. bigger than just. Although, although it was like quite interesting to see because it was when we took because you're probably talking about the photo that we took like everyone uh, yeah, dressed exactly, in black. Yeah. So that was like the the message that uh, we've sent to or our volunteers. We had like this big meeting with 150 volunteers. And we asked them the, the ones that want to dress in black, which is not unusual for Unsung Crowd anyway. But anyway, we said, if you want, we, we can take a photo together. And out of 150 people, there was maybe 20 that didn't want to be in that photo. And that also made me think, who are you? Why, why are you even here if you don't really want to support something so outrageous? I mean, <laughs> the protest against something so outrageous. So yeah, it was quite interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. But now, I mean, you guys have opened a nightclub in Krakow, so it seems like you're basically running underground culture there now. Yeah, no, I mean, we're not definitely alone. I mean, at the point where we decided to do it, it was like also like a very spontaneous, not very business-oriented decision. Like, oh yeah, let's just use that venue because it's amazing, and why don't we just do it every weekend? It's a crazy idea. We had our first uh, events there, as after parties after the main club nights during Unsound. So basically we've been running it for like a bit like almost three months now and it's yeah it's been a very intense period for sure even though we do just two nights a week but we have really good partners in that it's the venue that runs the Hotel Forum Cafe. So they run the place, we program it and help I mean and try to promote it and communicated and yeah it's been it's been going well but it's quite exhausting i have to say but also it opened our eyes to to like a, how different it is to program a festival and like we kind of live in this like internet based bubble i guess or like the thing that like the week long festival is a completely different thing to running like a small local thing and i feel like i noticed the difference like how small our audience locally is versus like the audience that comes from outside, even if whether it's Poland or abroad, it's definitely different. And yeah, and I've been very surprised many times just like seeing who comes there and like how people react to music that we program because we try to like put the same ideas as we do into the festival. So we would like to have diverse club music genres and so on, but people just want techno and if it's industrial and dark, that's what they love. So <laughs> yeah, and we're not fully comfortable with that. So yeah, we also try to add like more bass or like different types of club or different types of music in general. But yeah, it's definitely an eye-opening phenomenon to run a local club in Krakow. But yeah, you're very, very invited to come over. <laughs> <laughs> well, it'll. I mean, uh, it's, you've only just started it, so we'll give you give you a few months to to make sure that you completely change hearts and minds over there on a weekly basis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, that's all the questions I have. I want to open it up to the audience. If um, people out there have uh, questions, we've got a microphone that's going to come around. Hi, thank you so much for coming and sharing some time. I appreciate it. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit more about the curation process itself. I mean, I'm sure you and everyone on the staff there is inundated with like so much music, but I'm sure you also do a lot of seeking as well. You know, the yeah, impression absolutely. of being there is that you get this this really genuine representation of, you know, the real thing from the place where it came from. And I'm just wondering if you could talk a bit about the process to find those artists. Well, it's an ongoing process. It doesn't really stop. It used to be at the beginning when we had, when the festival was much smaller, like at the moment we have up to 200 artists during the festival. So obviously it's impossible to just do it like 
among like two people or three people. So now we, our team in terms of curation is really way bigger. And we, uh, well, we talk a lot, we read a lot and we listen a lot, but also it's, I think our satellite events help us to a really strong degree. We have our co-curators in many different places and also those influences create this interesting, inspiring surrounding to actually pick music. But it's, it's a very painful process as well to have so many voices. So at the end, we just like have to, yeah, spend lots of time on like debating and thinking and fighting and it's, yeah, but in general, it's like an ongoing, ongoing communication that we have with lots of different people and everyone bringing their own things. Like I'm personally more into like standard or like installation based works or multi, multi arts works. And my other colleague is very much into finding things from the end of internet. So everyone has their speciality. There is a person that's more into contemporary music and yeah. So uh, all those inspirations come together and then we have to dissect it. It's, it's very hard process in terms of listening to all the voices, but at the same time being consequent with finding the right decision. And I feel like the idea of having a theme as a part of the festival also really helped narrow those narrows those um, those different voices and inspirations into something more concrete. So each year we, we've been developing a theme which has like this, not only, doesn't only have to reflect in terms of the music program, but also has different, it has, has a meaning in terms of like socio-political context or local context for, for us and helps also shape the communication and the graphic design and so on. So yeah, that definitely helped to get to the certain point where this program has to be more coherent. Hello there. Um, yes, thank you for sharing your experiences with us. Uh, my question is more for the back end. Um, how do you keep things organized? Do you use uh, special <laughs> software or do you, do you um, create your own systems to keep all the all of the PR, marketing, social media, bookings, etc.? How do you organize this from the back end? Well, that's a very long process and that's I think that's the main struggle really. Like how do you get organized? I think I'm still learning myself. I'm not I can get like interested in 10 different things at once, which yeah, yeah I guess you can see. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's also like having right people doing right things and also delegating tasks, which is a thing that, uh, yeah, I've been personally learning for a long time. And yeah, just trusting people also, like people that you work with, like seeing like who has what kind of potential and what's their strong point, strong side and what they're good at. And I think just giving them those those responsibilities or things to kind of help you, you know, just do your thing. And also getting rid of stuff that you might be really close to. It's also, I think, necessary decluttering, whether it's physically getting rid of objects or getting rid of ideas or things that you've been doing in a certain way. Thank you so much for your talk. Unsound is by far my favorite music festival. Thank you. Um, and I'm always struck every year that I go back, particularly for the program at the Forum Hotel, the amount of local Polish people that I meet and interact with and talk to. And I just wanted to ask, was that like an intentional part of programming the festival or programming the spirit of the festival to include so many local punters? And do you think that's an important thing for festivals in general, especially when we're now at a stage where there isn't a huge amount of difference between the kind of festival circuit that comes around year after year? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just as we were saying before about like, you know, introducing as much diversity as we can, this is also very important for us to be responding to, to respond to a local scene, which 
being Polish could be marginal marginalized in a certain way. So yeah, I mean, even though like you could see the or not see the dif or hear the differences between those genres, I still feel like it's really important for us to look for like the artists that have their own voice, which could have certain like local aspect or might not at the moment. But yeah, I think it's very important to find to find people from around you that do something interesting and bring them over to the festival and give them exposure. We we always try. I'd say that you guys have done a very good job of, of uh, foregrounding Polish artists and especially taking Polish artists elsewhere. I've definitely seen more people talking about Polish artists or a Polish scene post Unsound. But one thing else I want to say is that it seems I've always thought that y your ticket prices have been very low because you want to be able to Absolutely. include locals. Yeah, that's, that's also very important for us. I mean, I think it would be very selfish or somehow not fair like just being also being a festival organized from polish taxpayers money to a big part of the budget comes from that so i think it would be very bad to kind of close off and create this weird like international bubble for foreigners i that's definitely not our aim and yeah we definitely have to give back something to, to the community and that's definitely part of it <laughs>